Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. It is great to be with you again. John, how are you doing, brother? I'm wonderful. Thanks. Good. Welcome. Good. I was going to say good morning and welcome <laughs> all in one go. Good morning, welcome uh, to I everybody. See you're waiting for the intro to be finished. <laughs> and then I you, just kind of you ambushed me on that intro. You, and, you ambushed me, ambushed me. I was sitting back chilling still, puffing on my cigar. No, all good. Uh, great to be with everybody again. Thank you, everybody, for all the positive responses around the last pod. We hope you enjoyed it, uh, following a new format. I am on the farm with my parents up in Mahubuskloof for a couple of days and enjoying the fresh air and organic vegetables my parents grow. How are you, Eric? What's up with you? Yeah, it's always in a, like a little bit, um, I don't know if nostalgic is the right word to use here, but a little bit nostalgic when we are doing this and you on the farm because that was such ah. a big part of our lives for quite a bit of time yes. you know, during the pandemic. So yes. many of our like strategy sessions, podcast recordings, like all of it happened with you on the farm. And so it's That's kind of right. weird that like, I'm seeing you just on the screen, but I know you're at the farm and it creates like yes. a, I don't know. A memory. A, mood, a, a vibe, good memory. You know? yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I also, you know, you, you, you think about, you always will remember where you were, where you were for 9-11. Mm. You know, if you think about that. And then you'll always remember where you were for the pandemic. You know, yeah, the, the emotions sure. were so high and they linked it to that memory. You know, the higher the emotion the deeper the memory, right? That, that's sure. how it works mm. out. Mm. And so, yes, I, I guess that emotions of the, of the pandemic will never leave us. And it's linked to a very clear memory of where we were and what we did. Definitely. And, I mean, it was, geez, it, was, it was quite a thing, eh? Actually quite Jeez. a thing to think about it now. Wow. <laughs> Listen, so um, we have quite a, a busy schedule today in terms of what we want to cover on the pod. So we want to speak a little bit about goal setting. We want to talk about community but where we are going to start is with chat GPT. And of course, this is like, you can't go onto LinkedIn or onto Instagram or somewhere with someone talking about chat GPT. It's just everywhere. It's pervasive. It's like in your face. There's no escaping it. It's one of the platforms that have gone the quickest from zero to a million users. Um, it kept, or it, it's continuously being ramped up. We see that Microsoft is now investing perhaps $10 billion into it. So there's a lot of movement around this. Um, we've been playing with it. You made a video about um, writing slash not writing a book anymore. So like, just what's been happening? Like chat GPT, what are your you thoughts? Know, chat, what's happening? Chat, chat GPT reminds me of the Vuvuzela. Now yeah. for the international uh, <laughs> listeners who don't, remember, who don't know what a Vuvuzela is, if you watch the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, it was the thing that made the crowd sound yes. like a bee. Like, (laughs) so, uh, and the Vuvuzela was, was always this thing that everybody either didn't know about or hated until they had one. And the minute they had one, they could not stop blowing that thing. It was a very addictive (laughs) thing. You know, you hated it until you had it. So what to chat GPT, what I figure out is there two types of people. People have no idea what I'm talking about. And the minute they find out what it is, they don't get off it. It's like an Mm. addiction to Mm. the new cleverer version of you. That's, that's what's yeah. happened, right? <laughs> so I was speaking to my friend in Dubai and his wife was like, he's addicted, John. He's addicted. Don't tell him anymore. <laughs> and, and so what's happened is like, he's asking this chat GPT every question that he can about landlords and square meterage <laughs> of rentals and diets. And he's just asking it everything, right? It's the Google, so yeah. It's, but I mean, it's not even Google. Yeah. It's like Google's professor. I mean, the professor yeah. of Google. <laughs> And, um, so really, I, th- I think the thing is, is, you know, the, the more people understand it, the more people out start to realize the incredible 
life-changing um, uh, sort of crossroads we're at. And mm. I did make a video. I tried to be as dramatic as possible because I wanted to get a, I don't know, a sort of emotion out of the crowd. But yeah. the video's done really I think well. You succeeded. It's gone viral. Yeah, you succeeded. Yeah, I did. I did succeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, got, I've got a lot of comments <laughs> on that video. And I wrote, like, I don't want to write another book. And a lot of people were like, no, don't say that. You know, you have to. And, and, I, and I honestly don't think you have to anymore. I think books have become a side result. And one thing I did think I think took, took to heart was it's a book and a documentary. It's not just, it's not just a documentary. It's both. But mm. my emails have all of a sudden become a lot smarter and a lot more concise <laughs> and a lot more optimistic and confident. And so ChatGPT has only arrived now. We are three weeks into this puppy and mm. it's already taken over the world. And now the, 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 the ripple effects of other businesses and other spaces that are starting to pick up from this is just unbelievable. It's a, it's a yeah. tsunami. And I actually think one of the, one of my predictions for 2023 is the tsunami of AI has arrived and get ready because the tsunami is here. Mm. Yeah. Listen, um, since, since the sort of explosion of chat GPT, I've just been so excited the entire time because it really feels to me like we're living in the future. Like you, you moving into a world where so much of what you think you need to do is just going to be done for you by something that is way smarter than you, that has access to millions more data points, that is able to see patterns that you could even come close to comprehending. And it's going to happen at almost no cost to you. You know, um, I think the, the big thing that I, I wanted to land for people today um, in speaking about chat GPT is that the best way to approach it at the moment is not with fear because that emotion is going to just make sure that you don't go and and try it out you are going to sit in the corner you're going to watch this thing you're going to go oh like it, it's just too big too scary and you're going to leave it the best best way to approach ai and and all of this is really just to be playful with it you know is that no one is an expert at the moment in how to best operate ai or, or run chat gpt like we're seeing all these prompts that are coming out and you're just saying like um, oh, you, you were talking about tools hey, in your inbox, like yeah. different tools. But we've seen yeah. these posts that come out where they show 50 different AI prompts, you know, and just start there. Like just go and grab one, like pop it into ChatGPT and see what happens. But then on top of that, you do have all of these applications that are coming out that are essentially training wheels for AI, you know. So Jasper, Copy.ai, all those kind of things. They are running off of OpenAI, so like the, the main platform. They're all pulling from that, but they are kind of pre-engineering certain prompts for you. So they make it easier and more accessible that you can just go onto it. I mean, Dan even wrote some of her like master's thesis. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. But You're not supposed to say that. that. You, mean, you mean your friend? <laughs> you mean your friend, <laughs> <Yeah>. Daniel? <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be to be accurate she she rewrote it because like what copy.ai is great with is like you input a paragraph of text yes, yes. and it'll rewrite it to make it more yeah. punct like punctual or more you know uh for it to flow better yes and so if you're currently sitting on the fence just like now is the time to jump in to immerse yourself mm. to be playful mm. with it because None of us know about this. And the only way we get better by it or, or uh, better at it is through repetition. So mm. get playing. That's all I can say. Mm. 
Mm. I, I agree. You know, I think it's incredibly exciting if you're curious about it. And it's incredibly scary if you're fearful of it. Mm. And there's no choice. You know, a lot of comments on a lot of my posts that I make about AI is, oh my, I can't stand it. It should go away. And now there's this, Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, anti-art by AI movement that's happened, right? So like people don't want any art by AI. I'm like, guy, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not eating potatoes that are harvested by a tractor. Like, yeah. are you joking? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, that's what's happened. Like, just because you're an artist, I get it. But what do you think farmers did when the tractor arrived? It's exactly the same thing. You gotta, mm. you gotta like move on and say, okay, well, what can I add to it? How can I curate it for you? Like, there has to be an extension to it. But you know, also a lot of the comments that I see online, it's just people are fearful, you know. And so, mm. what they do is they delete, distort, and generalize. That's, yeah. I can see it so yeah. clearly now that I've got that framework of delete, distort, and generalize. And lots of the comments on that video for me were just people doing exactly that. It's like, nope, doesn't mm. fit into my construct. I'm going to say everything I can to fight my system. And I'm like, guy, this is what I do for a living. I extrapolate technologies into the future. And I can see it as clear as day, just mm. like music and entertainment. It's clear. It's like so clear. Like mm. why? I mean, but that's but that's my job, right? My job is to try and yeah. get people to be more confident about this. But yes, to chat you. And to, here. and to provoke. And yeah. to provoke. Um, I, I just want to say two quick things before we um, wrap on, on this specific topic. Mm. Um, one is I really enjoyed Shannon's comments on your post um, where she was saying, you know, she was that, excellent. Yeah. That was Big great. Up to you, Shannon. And Very good. I, I love the idea. So um, I'm not quite sure. Cause this is, I'm not sure what the rating is on this podcast. I'm not sure exactly into how much detail I can go, <laughs> but, but essentially what it came <laughs> down to is that even though there are mechanical ways of extracting pleasure in the world, um, there's still a need for intimacy. Right. And yes. I thought that was a great way of, of kind of yes. showing it as well is that, yes, there are, there's going to be a proliferation of um, content that goes out into the world. But are you talking about still, sex toys? Yeah. <laughs> was my, <laughs> was my euphemism uh, yes, good? <laughs> I was trying to think, what do you, what do you, I can't remember that. I can't remember saying that on the comment. This comment was on Instagram. If you want to go see it on my video on Instagram about, I'm about another book. Shannon made a great comment that she did. Yeah. So intimacy and sex toys are different. Yeah. GPT, yeah. what she was saying is the sex toys, but you still need that human touch. And then I thought my response was very good as well because sex toys now are worth the same as the hair industry. So like <laughs> people are using sex toys at such a rate in this today's world that the, it's become a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, mm. which is mm. unbelievable. I didn't know that until I'd seen that documentary. But sorry, I interjected. Yeah. So but anyway, so but, but I think there's a, it's a really good, um, it, it was analogy. a kind of analogy, you know, um, to say that there's always going to be the need for certain level of intimacy. And I think, mm. yes, you can get GPT, chat GPT to write you a 60,000 word book in the style of um, Simon Sinek with the crossover to mm. like Stephen King. And like, it's going to be an incredible book. It's going to have mm. lots of uh, content, but will it have the heart and the soul? Maybe, maybe in five or 10 years. Um, but there's always going to be that need for connection, you know? Who knows how that changes? Who knows how that changes? But, look, I, but also, look, I, th- let's think about this, right? If an AI writes some music and it touches your need, let's say you're going through a breakup and it writes you a sad song 
Mm. Like, it doesn't matter if a male or female. Like, it doesn't matter. For sure. if a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm with you. So mm. what then happens, which I think is the differentiator, it's not about the words, it's about the human interaction. Mm. And so that's the mm. whole thing is that now musicians live are much more amazing because now you're seeing a human in front of you and you're having that exchange of energy. So AI is already writing music and it's amazing music. And also remember that lots of the music that you already like has been electronically distorted. So sure. what, because mm. it's been electronically distorted, doesn't affect you emotionally. Mm. So again, look, I'm, I'm provoking again, because I think that again, we're trying to find some comfort in the old. And a lot of the comments on LinkedIn was nothing better than curling up with my book. I'm like, yo, and your grandparents <laughs> still read newspapers. Do you read newspapers? No. Well, then mm. what, like, like you're showing your age. So look, it's not one way or the other. I think we will prioritize sure. what's important to us and uh, we'll take it from there. But I think you had a, you had a business plan that you wanted yeah. to uh, offer some so, of our listeners. So, so two quick other things. Then. The business plan will be number two. Number one, it's yeah. just a, a very quick point. I actually saw, um, which was interesting to me, that OpenAI is now creating a invisible watermark. Did you see that? That's right. That's right. For, yes. for all texts that's generated through, open, uh, through ChatGPT, I don't think it's there mm -hmm. yet. I think that they want to have that. And the reason for universities is, and stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, oh. it's, it's, it's so brilliant. It shows you how these guys are looking at the world at the moment. Mm. Chat GPT is trained on language models and where they yes. got a lot of that from was from the internet. But now yes. fast forward five years and everyone has been using chat GPT to write blog posts ah. and social media posts. What's going to happen is then if they want to keep training it, they're going to be training AI on AI. And yeah. that might become a bit of a problem. So they right. want to have a bit of a watermark so that when they're training the model, they can tell it exclude yeah. the stuff that has been right. created by AI. Smart, hey? Ah, very smart. Ah, smart. Yeah. Very smart. But also, but I, I wonder if they asked ChatGPT what they should do. And he yeah. gave it the answer. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, like, yeah, yeah. Original. So is this is my question, and I don't know the answer, is if I write a mail or a paragraph and I put it in there and ChatGPT fixes it, just like your friend Daniel from Clarkstop has done yeah. in his master's. <laughs> um, Editor, um, please bleep out all the names. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so is that now considered ChatGPT? Because it was my original thinking just – made look more proficient with using ChatGPT. Yeah. So yeah, that's a grave for me. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm that's not sure a how they will yeah. differentiate. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, also if I'm it, writing something and I'm asking it to edit it for me and it gets a blue and it, and it comes up and says, no, this is written by chat. It wasn't really, mm. it, was, it was written by me. I just asked you to make it look better or yeah. sound better. I, I'm not sure how they'll treat that sort of nuance, but that's a very mm. good point. Um, so let's, Wrap on ChatGPT with a business opportunity for anyone listening. Um, our business opportunity, you can come work with us. Yeah, that's actually the idea. So what I was saying to John is that when social media just launched many years ago, um, no one actually knew how to use it properly. And so what we had was this sort of big bang of social media agencies that popped up. And the entire premise for these agencies was let's teach people in organizations how to use Facebook, Twitter, social media in general uh, to build brand, to sell, to market, et cetera, et cetera. That exact same opportunity exists right now because we have just come into the age of AI. And to be honest, people feel overwhelmed. People feel, you know, 
kind of fearful of it and we don't know where to start. And so I think there's a great opportunity at this stage to create an AI agency purely focused on training people around AI and exposing them to the incredible opportunities that AI bring. You know, it's not about AI replacing you. It's about how can you use AI in conjunction with what you're already doing to augment you. And that's actually what we want to do is like through this agency, let's run trainings into organizations, showcasing, taking them on a journey of AI and the capabilities and the opportunities so that people can be augmented when they leave and feel like, oh, actually, I know how to use this thing now. I'm, I feel empowered for the future. I think it's such a fantastic idea. And uh, Eric and I have got certain skills. We have a platform. We don't have the operational skill all the time. So if you have the operational time or the skill that and want to do it with us, we are really keen to get involved in training and uh, adding where we can add and have somebody partner with us to set up an agency like this. I would even think expansive AI would be a fantastic name, but we haven't even chatted hey, about that. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can even <laughs> ask ChatGPT about that. I'll just ask ChatGPT quickly. Give me 10 names that I think you could use. So anyway, you can get hold of us at Eric at EricKruger.co.za or hello com, at johnsane.com. Oh, yeah. you're .com now? Congratulations, yeah. Eric. Always. My apologies. Eric at erickruger.com. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. Jeez. And hello at johnsone.com. So get hold of us. Yeah. Let us know if you're keen to get involved and we'd love to do something with you. But that's enough about ChatGPT. Yeah. It's just amazing. I don't think it's going to stop these conversations, but I think next time we'll touch on it again. It'll be nice to actually start every podcast off with what has happened now in the age of AI, because there's always mm. something new and refreshing happening. Let's get on to today's real topic, which is about the year ahead. We still are very much in the pre preliminary um, sort of month of 2023. We have the whole year wide open to us. People are getting kind of getting back to work now and getting back into the mode. Emails are starting to fly. Me meetings are starting to get set up. And we've got all that sort of happening. And so we wanted to just chat to you guys about the things that we are focusing in on and how we're going about doing sort of getting ready and prepping. But most importantly, I think it's important for us all to really become clear that the future is more unknown than ever. There is so much uncertainty in the world that adaptability in the way we approach things is by far one of the most important things. And we did touch on this last, uh, maybe five episodes ago, the difference between fragile and agile optimism. And uh, whatever we speak to you guys today really mustn't bring about any fragile optimism. The construct of today's sort of pod is about agile optimism, which is really about our behavior in the way we prepare for an unknown future. So the topics we're wanting to cover are things like goal setting, building a vision, building victory and failure conditions, focusing on how we focus, and building communities of like-minded people so that we can be held, heard, and just have like-minded people that we can share our wins and our losses with. So Eric, mm. you want to start mm. off with one of those? Yeah, let's start with, with the goal setting aspect because I was trying to record a video on this five times yesterday and then I ended up <laughs> just giving up, giving up on that. <laughs> so it's top of mind. <laughs> That's called agile optimism. He's still smiling after being a failure yesterday. <laughs> so I'm going to try and re-record it after our session today. Uh, yeah, so so yesterday I was, um, you know, obviously uh, this is the time of the year where we all sit down and we think about our goals for the year ahead. Uh, but I think there's a common mistake that we tend to make in terms of our goal setting. And it's something that 
it was actually a, a big part of the theme of the book last year around dangerous. But it's actually something that the first time I sort of encountered it was 20 years ago, living with my brother. So uh, we were living in a tiny apartment in Joburg. We were both studying. And even like back in those days, I was quite entrepreneurial. I always had all these ideas that I wanted to try and, and ventures that I wanted to launch. But whenever I brought an idea to my brother, he would always just roasted to the ground you know he would be like well this is how you're going to fail um these are the competitors this is like the things that you haven't thought about and I, I always left those conversations feeling very despondent and i was like why is he so like negative about the world you know um but fast forward like 20 years and having matured a bit i've realized that actually what he was doing was one of the biggest gifts that he could have actually given me because we are often so focused on the goal that we are trying to reach that we don't think about the obstacles, the threats that might get in the way of us reaching those goals. And the reality is that no matter what you are trying to achieve, there will always be certain threats and obstacles to get in the way. And some of them we can't know ahead of time. You know, you were just saying how uncertain and how unknown the future is. So there's no way to know what might be lurking around the corner. We just don't know. But there are certain things that you can know and certain things that you do know. And if you had to go and sit down and think about it for a bit and ask yourself, well, what are the things that might get in the way of me achieving my goals this year? Actually, you'll be able to compile quite a list. So this is playing the devil's advocate. Um, and actually, like when I was researching for the book, I learned that this is a practice that dates back to like the 1500s. And what would happen is that before someone was admitted to sainthood, they would elect a devil's advocate who would go and sit down and write an entire list about why this person shouldn't be admitted into sainthood. And so to me, that's a great practice for when we think about our goals is what are the things, can you write down the reasons that might lead to you failing, that might lead to you not achieving those goals? Because when you do that... Give me an example. I want to I land well, this. Like I mean, yeah. Let me yeah, give yeah, you a very easy example. Yeah, yeah, so um, I let's use an example that most people would be thinking about in January, which is I want to start training three times a week, right? Well, right. what are the things that might get in the way of you not achieving that? Well, number one, ah. you might have an injury because you have no proper technique. You might not know what to actually do in the gym. So you kind of, again, feel overwhelmed and so you just leave it. Um, you think, oh, it's cool. Like I'll go to the gym and then Monday hits and there's peak hour traffic and you're like, oh, actually now it's going to take me like 40 minutes to get to the gym. So I'm not going to go to the gym. So all of a sudden you can start realizing, oh, if I think about it for just two seconds, there are all these things that might get in the way. Mm. Um, I want to build a mm. successful keynote practice this year. What might get in the way? Well, me not building my personal brand might get in the way of, of getting to my goal, uh, me not having more conversations mm. might get in the way. So like there are all these things that, that might prevent you from achieving your goal. And a really good practice is to sit down and say, what are those things? Because some you'll know again, and some you won't know. And most goal setting frameworks do not get you thinking about that aspect of goal setting. You know, if you think about the most popular goal setting framework, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound, smart, Nowhere in there does it say anything about the fact that there are bound to be obstacles in your way. So when you go through a framework like this, it kind of makes it seem that it's a straight line from where I am to where I want to be. And because you expect an easy ride, 
the first time something goes wrong and you're not prepared, it's more likely that you give up. And so my call to action that I wanted to have for the video and that I have just for, for my bit about goal setting is we need to think about what are the threats that might get in the way because it's only once we know what those threats are that we can design ourselves in such a manner that we can become a threat to that threat and think about how do I need to influence, control this pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting that I have so that I can overcome the obstacles and the threats when they do arise or even better, that I can see them in the distance and I can figure a way how to like just circumvent it. So that's my bit of a call to action when it comes to goal setting. People know how to set goals, go and do that, but don't forget this important aspect of goal setting. Very good. I think um, another way I've, I've, I've seen that put across is James Clear in Atomic Habits speaking about um, making your habits as easy as possible to access. So mm. making the process of going to gym as easy as possible, having your clothes out, mapping the route to the gym, checking the time it's going to get to get there, getting the right personal trainer to meet you there, holding you accountable. So it's almost like it's a reframing. You're calling it threats. He's making it, make it as easy as possible. So mm. it's almost the same practice, but just framing it in a different way. I think that's, I think that's really smart. I'm trying to think of a, a something in my life that, I'm, I'm really going to think about that because I think I also just set goals and I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. But I guess I also don't have kids, wife, like all the things that you can take the time not to get you there. Um, and I imagine that the more of those things you have, the more complex it is to achieve mm. X, Y, and Z that you want to achieve. Um, but very good one. I like that goal setting. Yeah. It could, it could also be internal, right? That, you know, it's um, not necessarily – the place I have to get to the environment around me, but just my own internal monologue or yeah. my own sort of lack of discipline that might get in the way. So even doing that, even saying, well, my lack of discipline might be the thing that prevents me from posting consistently, preparing for yeah. the podcast, making a video about the podcast. So what are the threats that might prevent us from growing this podcast to the size that we want to get it to this year? Yeah. yeah. Well, we, you know, and then it's your cuck once you have that, that's what it is. <laughs> is that, is that the, the major influence on the podcast level of success? <laughs> Look, I've also found, I've also found, you know, you wake up in the morning sometimes with a bit of cortisol in your brain, in your head, in your heart, and you feel a bit anxious. And that anxiousness can really ramp up for the rest of the day. And for me, it's about managing that anxiousness, which then allows me to actually have less distractions and less loss of energy. And so mm. for me, as an overarching practice, it's straight into meditation. You know, it's straight into mm. meditation to relax your heart and awaken your brain, relax your heart and awaken your brain. That becomes a practice so that all these things that could get into the way, because remember your, your, your self-motivation um, runs out, your energy runs out. And if you're starting the day off already fighting against some story inside your head, your internal dialogue's already on a back foot, which means you're already mm. starting to run out of energy, which makes it much easier to tap out of anything, any goal that you were trying to achieve, you know? So I think mm. just managing mm. your emotional state first thing when you wake up will help a lot in achieving any sort of goal that you're setting, whatever mm. it may be, you know? Mm. Good. Yeah. I like that, Eric. That's really good. Thank you for that share. I, I look forward to that video and make a comment. Well done on your seventh try. That's will be my comment. Okay. Um, look, I, 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 I want to lead it into the next thing, which is something I do workshops on called the victory condition and the failure condition. And again, it's very much lined to goal setting, but 
I would take it one step further and say, what is your victory condition in life? Like, and, and often I, I stop and I measure a peak human experience. And I tell everybody around me, this is a peak human experience. Stop and enjoy this peak human experience. And one of the ones was last Friday, I was in a desert with my friends in Dubai. It was unbelievable. It was a peak human experience. It was a victory condition for me. And I was loving that victory condition. And I, I, I really want my year, my year of yes. I'm saying yes to everything. I'm going and trying everything. I'm hiking wherever I need to hike. I'm traveling where I need to travel. And that's my victory condition. But I think what we often fall short of is a failure condition. And first design a victory condition so that when you arrive at it, you can appreciate it. That's, that's the first point of this. Mm. And then the second one is the failure condition is that when you are reaching a failure condition where you're doing what you said you wouldn't be doing. You also have a hazard going off in your mind, right? So one of the things that I have decided from the 26th of December is fasting and reducing calorie intake. And it doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. It's really becoming conscious about the, what I'm putting in my mouth as important as what's coming out of my mouth. Mm. But what's going in my mouth is really something that's, if I, if I tap over, that becomes a failure condition. So no sugar still, um, I was on the plane now and I didn't have, I only ate half the food that was given to me. Why? Because I'm very, very conscious of what I'm trying to do. So I don't tap into my failure condition. And so it's important to design our goals with the threats, as you've discussed, add to it, making it as seamless as possible, and then becoming aware of what a victory and what a failure condition looks like so that you can catch yourself moving into that space. Maybe another failure mm. condition is allowing yourself to feel anxious for longer than 10 minutes. Because what starts to happen then, you spiral. And as you start to spiral, you can't catch yourself. I was listening to this amazing podcast yesterday called The Hidden Brain. I highly recommend it, Eric. I don't know if you listened to it, but it's fantastic. Mm. I watched the guy's TED Talk. And he was talking about loneliness. And, and this podcast is about to loneliness. And you're saying that people spiral into lower and lower and lower energies about loneliness. And really what's happened is that you allowed yourself to be a victim. And now this victimhood has taken hold of you and you haven't achieved understanding that a failure condition was reached. And now you need to get yourself out of it. Do whatever you need to get out, meet somebody, volunteer, go and see somebody, phone your friend to go and hang with them rather than getting stuck into this loop of sort of going down the spiral of loneliness. And so- mm. Really important for us to design victory and failure conditions to give ourselves construct. And this is, again, a mental, it's a mental construct. You know, when I'm with my friends doing an adventure, just take very, very clear, conscious relishness into that moment and tell everybody around you, guys, we're in a peak human experience here. This is a victory condition. Enjoy it. Look what we're doing. And then the failure condition inside your head where you can call yourself out and go, ah, this is not who mm. I am anymore. Mm. Move over. This is not who I am. You know, I had a, uh, a coaching session yesterday with a client and all my coaching sessions for the year start with like, what is your word for the year? And then mm. um, what is the theme that, we, that you're sort of building your year around? And then a big part of that is also saying, um, how will you recognize when you're not that anymore? Because that's kind of the point mm. of the word of the year is for us to keep coming mm. back to it. And I think the failure condition is, is, is kind of the sensor that goes off. It tells you, listen, you wanted to be doing this, but now you're doing that. And it's almost like, because we know how easy it is that we, we're heading in one direction, we drift a little bit, and then we just keep drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting. And what you're saying is like, recognize that failure condition so you can come back. And so it's kind of like having um, a smoke sensor installed in your house, you know, is that the moment there's a bit of a, like a, a 
a smoke starting to come out, it goes off and like, you know, oh, I need to attend to something. And we're actually quite bad at having those senses in our lives. That's why we drift so long. But when you have a failure condition written out, explicit, then hopefully you catch yourself more frequently and you can quickly come back to the victory condition and align your actions to that victory condition. I think absolutely. But if we even take it on to another step of a business is what is your business doing at the victory condition? And when is your business in a failure condition? And I've applied this to a couple of startups that I've had where the victory condition was we, we spend uh, a million rand um, or a hundred thousand dollars and we've achieved 10 sales. Failure condition is we've, achieved, we've spent a hundred thousand dollars and we haven't achieved any sales. Do we put more money in? Or do we mm. pull out? That becomes a failure condition. Mm. Now, when you reach that failure condition, now you've set that failure condition. Now your partners and you can say, okay, what do we do now? Because we've reached it. Now we have to become conscious that we're not just putting in more money because there's a black hole of money. And we've actually stopped businesses in the past because of the same issue. So it's important in our personal lives, but also in our business lives to say, look, in a business, when is my business in a failure condition? Where am I not going to go any further because just mm. doesn't feel right anymore? Or am I doing it out of desperation to really prove something to myself? So mm. I think I, I think it's I think it's relevant on, on both it. aspects. Yeah. Good. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Great. Thanks. All right. So okay. let's move on to the last one then. And this was mm. around community. Tell mm. us about it. So look, I think a big thing for me, and I also made a video about community just recently, about how important it is to have community in our lives because people don't commit suicide because they're hungry. They commit suicide because they're lonely. And mm. this need for us to engage with each other and to connect with the other human beings is more and more necessary. The, this podcast I was listening to was saying 25% of Americans, what's well, an American-based podcast, but 25% of Americans are lonely. That's more people than have diabetes are lonely, like clinically lonely. And so community, or another way of saying it is common unity, is we need to actually work on our friendships. We need to work on building our community. We need to put into our community. And I was shouting, I wasn't shouting literally, but I was shouting at the podcast co-host. <laughs> he was like talking about loneliness and this and that. And I, was, I was saying, it's victim. The person's feeling sorry for themselves. They don't think they're good enough. They're stuck in a victim mindset. That's why they're feeling lonely. And he was saying, well, why don't people just go out there and connect with other people? No, they just feel like they're not good enough. It's not to do with loneliness. It's got to do with victimhood. So for us to mm. build community, we really have to step up, step out and reach out and actually create the environment to meet up. To actually, can't you, like I'm, go I'm going to Cape Town and I'm just like, oh, no friends have messaged me to meet up for dinner. Well, did you set up a dinner with you and your friends? Did you like say, hey, guys, let's all go for dinner? No, you didn't. So then what are you mm. sitting here? So we have to build community. And I think in today's world where there's so much tech and you're so busy and there's so much change, who's holding you accountable? Who's holding space for you? Who are you holding space for? Who are you servicing? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who are you looking forward to hosting? Like, who's your community and how are you building your community? And I think it's really important mm. for 2023 and beyond that the technology we understand when it comes to human psychology, the number one technology is togetherness, is collaboration, is community. And so really something mm. for us to focus on. Yeah, I love that. And, and I love that your, your main point really is around making the effort to connect to people because there really are so many different communities out there 
you know, whether it's online or in person, there are communities for every interest that you have. And I think that's actually part of what makes it easy to connect at first is that you don't have to go there with a the big expectation that you're going to connect to people and have these profound friendships and relationships, but you can go there because you already share something in common is that if you go join a paddle club, you have a paddle, um, commonality, like you both interested in commonality that. when yeah. commonality. Yeah. So when we moved to Somerset West, I, th I really think that was one of the biggest things that helped us is that we went to, to the squash courts. We became part of the squash community that made it so much easier for us to integrate. Then we moved on to paddle, became part of the, the paddle community, much easier to integrate. And it's never been about, okay, let me go and make friends. It's let me go and do this thing that I really enjoy doing. And as a byproduct of that, I've made friends. As a byproduct of that, there's been relationships and business that have come um, as a result. So that's also one thing to consider because I, I do realize that if you are feeling lonely, it feels like a very big step to take, you know, and we do this thing to ourselves where we berate ourselves exactly what you're saying about victimhood. But one of the biggest challenges with victimhood is that it just becomes uh, self-fulfilling and it becomes perpetuating in nature. And so once I'm in victimhood, I feel so sorry for myself. I just keep that mindset going. And to be honest, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And at some point you start looking up from this hole and you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to get out of it. Like uh, your self-esteem, your self-worth, all of it is just demolished in the process. And so a, an easy step here is what are you interested in? And just go and do that. Go and do that and do it with people. And there are people that, that do the same things that you do. And you'll be surprised that once you get into that groove, how that slowly starts establishing a new pattern. Yeah, exactly. I, I think also remember that other people are feeling that as well. You know, I often used to say to people, like, if you, if you, if you are feeling um, insecure about going to the beach and taking your shirt off, remember most other people are feeling the same. Yeah. You're not alone. You know, this is just what most people, the human condition is about. So uh, that was a great uh, pod, Eric. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for that insight. Um, and thank you to everybody that's joining us on our pod. Eric shared with me the stats of how many listener growth that we've had over the last year, and we are growing consistently. It's just such a pleasure, such a delight. I know I've said this many times, but it's really just a wonderful thing to have all of you join us. We're seeing podcasts grow and grow and grow over the next um, sort of five years or so. The trajectory is for it to really grow. We are looking to grow our podcast uh, with partnerships, with collaborations, starting businesses, using this platform, bringing on partners and sponsorships. So please do reach out if you have any ideas, if you want to work with us in any way. We've already given you our email addresses, eric at erickruger.com or hello at johnsane.com. Get hold of us. Let's chat. Never know where a chat can go. And if you're feeling lonely, don't be a victim. Get out there, go meet some people, smile at somebody, go do something and you'll see that it will slowly but surely <laughs> ripple into friendships, laughter and just connection with other people. Till next week, ciao.